We all know there are times when you don't have many choices in who you work with, like when a pipe bursts and you need a plumber right now. But when it comes to your mental health, you should have choices so you don't get stuck with a therapist who can't remember what you tell them every week. To find a good therapist for you, try ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including thousands of mental health providers. We're talking about therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments, either online or in person. I use this, and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com stronger and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash stronger. ZocDoc.com slash stronger. Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of five books on mental strength. Every Monday, I introduce you to a guest whose story and expertise can inspire you to think, feel, and do your best in life. And the fun part is, we record it all from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Now, let's dive into today's episode. What if I told you that you were just one question away from a completely different life? Well, according to today's guest, that's the truth. As a therapist, I know the power of asking questions, but it's not just any question. If someone comes into my therapy office and I say, why don't you take your medicine your doctor prescribes you? They're probably gonna list all the reasons why they don't like the medication or all the side effects that it has. But if I word it differently and I ask something like, what do you think would happen if you took your medication every day? I might get an even more telling answer. Someone might say something like, well, I might feel better, but I also might have some side effects. That kind of answer could lead to a much more helpful discussion. But it's not just the questions we ask other people that matter. The questions we ask ourselves can be powerful. Asking yourself the right question might give you clarity on a decision that you're struggling to make. Or asking yourself a new question might motivate you to change a habit. Here today to talk about the importance of asking better questions is Mark Champagne. Mark is the co-founder of a journaling app that reached 87 million people. And he's the host of a podcast called Behind the Human. He's also the author of a book called Personal Socrates. Mark loves to look at the questions people ask to get them to where they are today. He's examined the questions everyone from Maya Angelou to Kobe Bryant ask themselves to improve their health, performance, and their happiness. Some of the things Mark talks about today are how questions change our perspective, how to get better at asking people authentic questions, and the questions we should be asking ourselves every day to change our lives. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for The therapist Take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Mark's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Mark Champagne 
on how asking the right questions can help you grow mentally stronger. Mark Champagne, welcome to Mentally Stronger. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. This is, um, I know we have a lot of similarities in the sense of things that light us up. So I can't wait for this conversation. We do. And so I have read a copy of your book, Personal Socrates. Great book. I love the way that that you designed it a little bit differently than than most books and the format of it, it's a little bit different too, that you asked lots of people about their favorite questions and famous people and some people that we've talked to too. I love Cal Fussman, Ryan Holiday, lots yes. of names I recognized. But for people who don't know your story, do you want to share a little bit about why you got into asking questions as opposed to just looking for answers? Oh, that, well, that's a great question. I mean, the very short version of this was that essentially a question saved me from a deep depression. When I had left uh, a corporate job that I was in around for about probably about a decade and then started at the time one of the first guided journaling apps and it all came crashing down. And it was the first time in my life where I just didn't feel like I had a plan. Like I think probably since university, it was the, it's just like, well, now what? What do I do? Like I'd found the the work that inspired me and lit me up, but I just deleted the app and shut down a business that was keeping me in that role or in that space. And the backup plan of going back to the industry I'd come from just didn't feel aligned anymore. So I was just stuck, you know, and and stuck in a really bad mental loop that was driving me into, uh, you know, like I said, a, a deep depression. And it was a question. I remember I emailed uh, a friend or and someone I, I a mentor really, Chip Conley, who I'm sure you're you probably interviewed or know of as well. Um, and I said, Chip, this is what's going on. He knew about the app and so forth, and I just asked for some advice. And he just replied with one question, and he said, "What do you want for your life?" And I, I just remember at that time, like I couldn't process the 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 power of what he had sent back, but it was what I needed in the moment, it was, it was that question that gave a long enough pause of all the looping narratives to then think, okay, well, if this is what I want, you know, what's the next step? Or who do I need to speak with? Or what's one thing I can do? And, and kind of question by question got to this, this point of, of bringing back a sliver of hope that there's a, there's a direction from here. And it was later though that it's like, wow, that had, had that question not surfaced for me, and if it didn't come from someone I really respected, where would I be? You know, that that's and and that's what changed everything for me. I love that, and you know, I'm a therapist, so my job is often to ask questions. Yes, I find a lot of people come into my office though with a question for me, hoping I'll give them an answer. Somebody might come in and say, "Should I take this job? Should I break up with my partner?" And they're hoping I have a definitive yes or no, this is what you should do. And sometimes we do give people answers. When somebody comes in and says, my partner's so depressed they can't get out of bed, I don't say, well, how do you feel about that? Instead, we give some (laughs) step-by-steps of of what can help. But sometimes people also just think that we are like an advice columnist who's going to give them really clear-cut advice. Yes, you should break up with your partner. Yes, you should take this other job. But it's the questions that really get people Mm -hmm. thinking and get people to figure out, well, what do they want for their lives? And one of the coolest things about questions, I think, too, is that we believe the words coming out of our own mouths. So when somebody offers us advice, sometimes we're like, no, that's not a good idea. But if somebody asks you, like when somebody asked you that question, like, what do you want for your life? Then you had to come up with the the answer yourself. 
So here's yeah. an example. If somebody comes in and they say, uh, I, I smoke cigarettes, and I say, oh, you shouldn't do that, and here's how you should quit, their brain automatically goes to all the reasons why they want to keep smoking. But if I yeah. ask them a question like, gee, what do you get out of smoking? And have you ever thought about quitting? And they say, yeah, you know, it kind of gets in the way. It costs a lot of money or I'm worried about my health. Mm -hmm. Then they'll believe those reasons. But if I just tell them yeah. the answers, then often we don't listen, right? For sure. Well, and I think here's the other thing. Like, it's not like I've never reflected on that question that Chip left. The, the big difference was that I needed a question like that that was powerful enough in that moment to stop my own loopy narrative. But then it also came from someone I really respect. Because I, I did remember, said, well, isn't this ironic? Because at that time, I was starting to become known as the guy that collects the questions. Because I was just collecting them and then our app was all questions. So I remember thinking, <laughs> I mean, essentially that's what I do is, is, is play around with different questions and all these different kind of prompts and sequences and it's, it's this one other person that sends back a short email reply with a question that is, is the thing that unlocks a whole other world for me, right? So I think like that's the thing is that to me, a quality question isn't necessarily the actual quest question itself. It can be at some times, but for the most part, it's, is it well-timed? Is it coming from a place that, um, you know, where you can respect that the source, for example? And is it, is it relatable right now? Like, that's probably the biggest piece. Oh, I love that. And it helps us see things from a slightly different angle. I'll give you an example. Yeah. I, I texted a friend the other day and said, hey, here's a scenario for you. This is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And rather than giving me, like, advice, she just said, well, back up for a second. Like, what's your ultimate goal here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great question to ask so that I know, like, why am I doing it or what am I hoping to gain before she jumped in and just said, this is a great idea or not. Yeah. Gets us past the surface. Yeah. And why is it that we sometimes forget that step? We just like forge into a solution before we stop and ask ourselves questions about the problem. Well, I think, unfortunately, and I wish this wasn't the case, but we're just surrounded by a solution-oriented, fast results, kind of quick-paced society. So what that doesn't necessarily, I mean, you know this, just interviewing a lot of different people, but doesn't necessarily reward people that say, I'm going to take a minute to think about this. But I don't know about for you, everyone I've interviewed that has reached some sort of wild success within their own respective industry, the theme that comes up over and over again, including the people that I studied in the book, is they've taken time to still their mind, to think. And I feel like thinking, as crazy as this sounds, is a, is a bit of a hidden superpower in today's world, right? Because there's so... like if you don't consciously set in the time to quiet down and, and, and the stillness of the mind, I think of Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday had a lot to do with, with the book, the structure of the book, actually. Um, and, and he often says, like, we, we have to take this time to still our mind. And if you look at a lot of the sto Stokes, you know, that he studies, different circumstances, still a lot going on, huge wars, a lot of people dying, but they're still journaling. They're still asking these big questions. And next thing you know, you know, you start asking more questions and so forth. And then, and then we have the answers to our own questions going full circle to what you're saying when people come in, like, give me the answer. Well, it's actually, you actually have it. You just need to blow out all that mental noise and debt and clutter to allow it to surface, right? Absolutely. And it's so easy to get caught up in like the day-to-day -day hustle 
that we forget to yeah. zoom out and kind of look like, am I creating the kind of life I want to live? Do I want to do anything differently? Are my priorities in order? It's tough to do that, but you really have to carve out time and be intentional about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's where like on the mental fitness side of things, like this is where I think it's accessible for for probably more people than than what you would think or people that are listening. Like it's not, and nothing against this, but you don't have to go on a 14-day silent retreat to like tap into these practices. I mean, if anything, I'd actually say it's those those little micro check-ins that you do with yourself and those little course corrections throughout the day that make the, the biggest impact because then they compound and they're exponential, right? But something as simple as as your coffee is brewing or you take your first glass of water or your cup of tea while that's steeping and just checking in with yourself, like, how do I feel today? One word, where do I feel that? I mean, often then it's like, well, okay, well, if I feel tightness in my chest and anxious, well, what's, where's the fuel source for that? Like, where's it coming from? And we can cut the fuel versus going into the day, you know, whether we ask those questions or not, the emotions are coming in with us and, and they, affect, they affect everything, right? I love that because so often our, when we feel something uncomfortable, our first reaction is I have to do something to get rid of this feeling. We don't really yeah, stop yeah. to say, where is it coming from? Or how might it affect my decision-making today if I am anxious? Or uh, what am I doing perhaps that's not in sync with my values? Do you have yeah. questions that you ask yourself every day? Yeah, well, that definitely is one of them. It, you know, just checking it. Some sort of version of how am I feeling? Where am I feeling? Like what's what feels right right now? Like what's in play? Like what's, what's I guess I guess the theme is like what's, Taking taking up mental real estate, you know, what's getting my, you know, firing up my mind and 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 taking me away from other things that I could be doing, and just trying to identify that thing. And then throughout the day, always always littering in some gratitude prompts in some capacity, whether that's ending the day with like, "What was awesome about today?" or throughout the day. And this one has been a big one that it's subtle, but it's at least for me has made a huge change. I have a a glass top on my desk. And instead of, you know, kind of religiously doing the end of day check-in or before I go to sleep, uh, I'll, I'll just start noting moments, like little micro wins in the day and write them right on the desk. And I, there's something subtle about that change where the, now it's all of a sudden I'm seeing the list grow in small things. Like I'm really enjoying this fresh cup of coffee or something like that, that I, you know, I brewed myself or a great email or someone says something nice, like just stacking these these wins. And then you get to the end of the day, whereas normally I would forget about half of those, if not more. And you see, and you're like, it's been a pretty awesome day. Like, why I should be happy about this. Like, let's, let's, let's relive some of those moments. And it's like, it's those things, right? That it's subtle, but they make a big difference. And you see it, right? As opposed to as soon as I step out of like this container where you and I are, are pretty aligned on all of this stuff and it, it energizes me. I know once I step out into the other content world, I'm going to get hit with just negative stuff, right? Or stressful content and and so forth. So it's like you've got to set up the systems to to fuel your mind with positive nutrition. I like that because at the end of the day, sometimes somebody says to you, how was your day? It's the not so good stuff that sticks out, right? A conversation yeah, that, that didn't go well, something, an email that didn't get replied to, or somebody said something and uh, you took offense to, 
it's those kinds of things that we remember. You yeah. forget about the the cup of coffee or the conversations that were kind of fun sometimes because it's the negative stuff that stirs up really strong feelings. So I love that idea of writing down some some positive things just to remind us. And I always talk to people too about when it comes to mental strength. There's so many things you can't control in your day. But one question yeah. you can ask yourself at the end of the day is, what did I do today to grow mentally stronger? So no yeah, matter like how other people behaved or no matter what went on around you, like, what did you do? Well, I took a quick walk when I was upset instead of yelling, or I uh, took time for myself to think about the answer before I just jumped in there. So I love to just figure out like, what are some questions we can all ask ourselves every day? So thank you for sharing the ones that you ask too. What about in conversations with other people? Do you want to get high quality meat delivered straight to your house? Or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, and you can pick a curated plan, or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at butcherbox.com stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com stronger and use code STRONGER to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. What steps can we take to get better at asking other people questions that are more thought-provoking other than just, hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Well, I mean, I mean ironically, it comes back to, to Chip Conley, and I learned this from him, and he's got, he has one of the chapters in the books, and it's just, I forget the exact line that he used at the end, but it's something the, uh, the most, I think it's the most curious person in the room is also the most present. So when it comes to asking really good questions, same with Cal Fussman. I mean, I learned this obviously from him as legendary interviewer. Um, if if we can be present and like like real present, right? Like not the lip service version. I mean, actually putting in the work and this is where the mental fitness comes in so that I'm not coming in thinking about a relationship that's bothering me or that I didn't get certain emails answered or I have to do this big to-do list. Like the tools that can handle and just, just release some of that stuff so you can come in and fully feel the experience, then naturally the, the, we can trust our minds to surface the most appropriate questions in that moment. And that was Cal Fussman's trick where I learned from him. And it's a bit terrifying. I mean, I just did this live for the first time filming a, a, a film pilot, which is completely new for me. But instead of going in with any kind of piece of paper, like no quotes, no questions, I had hundreds of them written out. And this is Cal's trick, right? Like prepare for the interview, write out all your questions, but then go into the interview ripping up the page so that, you know, you're not focused on asking the next question or whatever it is and looking at other places and, and, and trusting your mind will surface the appropriate prompt. So I think it's the same thing when we're in conversation uh, with people. But the question that comes up often for me because um, I ask this one myself, but usually it's helpful for others, is just no matter what the circumstance is, if, if someone's having a hard time or trying to get past something, 
uh, one question that's, that's helpful is just, what are you pretending not to know in that situation? And then next, like, you kind of like whittle over to the corner of the, or the back of the room and like it's what you're hearing in the whispers that all of a sudden is very valuable that it's always been there and it's like kind of a subtle headache almost and we just kind of push it away. But usually that's the place where the unlocks exist. Oh, interesting. And I love the idea of just trying to be present. And I know when I am preparing for interviews, I often have a whole list of questions as well, but I try not to be the person that just runs down through the list of 10 questions and and ends yeah. the interview. But on the other hand, it somehow feels better when you at least have some ideas of the questions you're going to answer. Oh, of course. But at the yeah. same time, I think some people get nervous. So they're going to go to a networking event. So they have some canned questions that they're going to ask. <laughs> but like, it's like, it's just like, yeah. it feels um, inauthentic, I guess, if we yeah, you see through it, always sure. ask everybody the same question. But I've seen so many people who read these books about small talk and things like that, that they end up developing a set of canned questions that they ask people all the time, but it feels more like an interview as they're running through their checklist of questions. Yeah. So I like the idea of saying, just be present and ask natural questions. You can have those canned questions as your backup in case you run out of things to say or you get nervous, but people people can see through that, I think, when you ask yeah. just those canned questions. Well, I think the key, and at least for me, has been, especially with interviewing, is just to do everything possible to make sure you feel comfortable, right? So if Right now, based on where you're at, no matter, like whether that's interviewing or preparing for a talk or whatever it is, like do the things, like have the stuff that that you know you need to feel comfortable. And in the case of going in to do a live interview, I, I shouldn't, it wasn't live, but it was just a different setting with cameras all over the place and crew and whatnot. I mean, I had themes. I had three core themes that I knew I wanted to hit on, and under those in the prep were you know multiple questions. It's just those are the things I I you know I wasn't looking at that. Um, and the same way, like, you know, going into an in-person uh, event where I know, I don't know, it could be an important meeting or an important interview or something like that. I role play a lot of that stuff. I'll be in the car and just, I'll look crazy doing this or people are probably judging me when they're driving by. But like, I'm in full blown, like as if I'm in that location and just going through the conversation. So then when I'm there, it feels like I've already been there mentally uh, I mean, no different than what, you know, this obviously through your work. I mean, a lot of athletes do that to visualize their runs and, and their events and so forth, right? Like to play it out mentally before it happens in, in the physical world. Absolutely. And I see what a lot of people do, though, is when they're visualizing something, they visualize like the finish line, like, yay. And I, I'm, yeah. you know, when you're giving a speech, you just envision getting a standing ovation at the end. But that's actually not what you want to do. As you say, you want to visualize going through the work. of If you're going yeah. to run, visualize yourself running and being out of breath and the hard stuff, but visualizing yourself pushing through that. There's something about yeah. our brains when we just imagine that we've already won the award or that something great happened, that our brain starts to celebrate and leaves us unprepared for the reality of the situation. So I love the idea of rehearsing something and walking yourself through different scenarios and imagining what it's going to be like as you do it. Yeah. I mean, you want to visualize that the tech doesn't work, you know, and right. that all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're going to freestyle this together. And then, you know, if everything does work, you're like, wow, that was easy. Um, so, I mean, you know, and there's a million different scenarios, but I think to your point, it's just whatever it is, putting yourself mentally in those uncomfortable emotions and like feeling into them and, and how you'll handle that so that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're reacting versus responding. 
uh, or sorry, so I, I did that opposite. You're responding, not reacting to to the situation, right? And you can you can stay calm. And then the the only thing I ever think about at for for the end of a presentation is it's this is the question I'll I'll write out and answer is how do I want the audience to feel after I'm done? And then and then next is how do I want to feel? And that is all like even with this film example, I'm just using these examples because it's it's quite fresh within the month. There was two people that were involved. One of the one of the individuals who funded it, and then the the, the musician that I interviewed. And I must have gone through those visualizations hundreds of times, just thinking, we get to the end, we hit cut, and these are the things that they're saying. You know, like that was just felt like that was such an authentic interview. It just felt natural, and just see like and seeing those people, you know, express those emotions, and. That's exactly what happened at the end, right? Like surprise, surprise. So tell me this, Leo, how do we find that balance? So you might walk through different scenarios of what would happen, but at the same time, how do you not torture yourself with all of the what if scenarios? Because there's a million and one ways something could go wrong and you don't want to waste six months of your life thinking about like a speech that you're going to give and you're thinking, well, what if somebody in the front row passes out? What if the lights go out? What if I stumble over all my words? I mean, you could play this game forever. So how do you find that balance yeah. between asking enough questions so you feel prepared, but at the same time, not asking yourself so many what if questions that you drive yourself crazy in the meantime? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I approach that the same way, approach questions and just and just taking a look at, you know, there could be hundreds of different questions I can ask, but I'm really focusing on a theme. Right. So then, in, in those situations, like, what is the underlying theme that I know will throw me off? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it just you know feeling completely like I don't know what it is. Like whatever what, you know that individually, like those moments that put you in this state where you know you start to sweat and it's just not a pleasant situation. Um, put yourself in that visualization and see yourself getting through it. So that, so now it's you know there could to your point there could be a million different outcomes or scenarios that that evoke that emotion uh, or those emotions but you're you're kind of blanket handling going through the process and it's less about seeing you know the individual like tech not working your slides not showing up or something like that and more so about okay uh, like I I think about what I would say there's a million different things that happen but. I'll probably use humor with the audience to continue on, and that's my way out, right? Um, in all of those scenarios, like, well, that sucks, but you know, we're still going to have a great time here. I like that, and we know from the research that if we make an if-then plan, we'll be much more confident. So, if something goes wrong with tech, then I will use humor and we'll move forward. If I get really nervous when I'm on stage, then I will walk over, take a drink of water, look at my notes for a minute and continue. As long as we have yeah. some kind of a plan of like, all right, if, if something does go wrong, which it often does, then I will go with plan B. Yes, staple actions for sure. But to your point, like if you, it, it could be endless and, and you could actually be then creating a full anxiety loop or right. just by going through you know, that process. Right, because I'll have people come into my office who are very concerned about overthinking. They'll say, you know, I yeah. have this thing next week, a sales call, and I have run through it in my head and it is taking up too much of my mental real estate. And so sometimes we'll say, well, let's ask ourselves, like, how much time is that worth? 
10 minutes a day? Is solving yeah. that problem worth just five minutes of your life? Because sometimes people will say, you know, I'm going to a wedding next month and I've just spent like six hours shopping for the perfect outfit. <laughs> Nobody's going to remember what I'm wearing, but I can't make a decision to save my life. What do I do? So we'll say, well, how much time is that worth to you? Maybe it's yeah. worth one more hour of your life. And when 55 minutes are up, you're just going to make a decision and pick something to help people move it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Can I run through some different scenarios and ask you what a good question might be to ask ourselves if we find ourselves in this situation? Rapid fire question series. I love it. All right. So what about when we fail at something? Well, I mean, the, the for me is to avoid the why questions. First get into like, what can I learn about this, the, the, the failure, of course, but then how can I move forward, right? I, and I experienced this as well when when the app failed. It's like we reached nearly 90 million people with this thing. And, and I started asking all the wrong questions like, what would my family think? Like, how could we fail at such a colossal level? Like all of those things, you know, it's fine to have a, a, a quick moment or a moment where you evaluate like, where could I have gone? Where could I have you know, done things differently to learn from it? But then if you get stuck in that loop of kind of a victim loop, of, of questions. And that's when it becomes really hard to, to pull out. So, uh, yeah, you know, like what's, I guess, what, what, what did I learn? What signs did I miss along the journey? And what's the, what's the path forward? Okay. I want to get back to bad questions in a minute. Cause I think that's an important okay. thing to cover, <laughs> but I want to run through a couple more of these. Sure. What about when you're going through a tough time in life and it feels like uh, you know, suddenly you've been handed just about every worst case scenario and they seem to compound each other. And we've all been in that really rough spot probably before. But what, what questions can you ask yourself then? Well, that's where I, I mean, naturally, I just default to gratitude. Any kind of questions, like the smallest of moments, like what it sucks. And it's not about suppressing the emotions, like feel into it for sure. Uh, you, you don't want to bottle this stuff up and push them down. But at the same time, what can I celebrate right now? like in this moment. And the question then paired up with some like good content and knowledge that you know will put your mind in a different perspective uh, or shift your perspective instantly is usually a really good recipe. I mean, I start every day, speaking of Ryan Holiday, I mean, I think I have Robert Green right now, but Ryan Holiday for a while, I had the Daily Stoic leaning against my coffee machine and it was just every day reading one passage. And you know, usually if there was something really, you know, uh, big happening where I, you know, felt like there was, there was no way out, you start reading about, you know, what's going on a thousand years ago or something like, well, they found a way. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a subtle shift in perspective that we need. How about when you're really struggling with a decision? Should I take that new job or shouldn't I? What can you ask yourself? Oh yeah, this, this one's my favorite. So this is, this is a bit of, you've got to let some time go by. So before you go to sleep, you just take out your journal notebook and you write down either, either what do I want to say if you're going into conversation or um, what decision do I want to make? Like pick, pick whatever feels right in, in, in your situation. But the idea is you're stuck now, you don't have the answer, but you know, you're looking for the answer in the morning the next day. And you go to sleep, you let your mind work on that prompt. And the first thing you do after a nice big glass of water or stretch or whatever, go into the washroom, uh, is you answer that question. And uh, that has, there's been so many moments where, you know, 
eight to 10 hours prior, I had zero plan for, no insight of what's next. And all of a sudden, after that period of time, it's crystal clear. I love that one too, because there's a lot of research that says you should sometimes stop thinking about something and let your back of your brain kind of come to a conclusion. And when you're doing something else, it pops into your head and sleep's a good opportunity to give your brain a break, stop thinking about it and see what happens when you wake up. The other one, sorry, there's one more oh, yeah, on that ahead. one too that that has been helpful is is just shifting perspective into another person, right? Like what, pick your person that you admire, but, and Maya Angelou used to do this, like what would Maya Angelou do in this situation? Or what would Steve Jobs do in this challenge? Or Elon Musk or Adele? I don't know, pick anyone, right? And it's, it's, it's so crazy because it seems kind of funny, but when you go through the process, it's like you you take on little aspects of their character, and all of a sudden, it's like they're the, your they're they are your mentors in that short period of time. It gives us a weird sense of clarity sometimes on what to do. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more. What about when you feel like your life just kind of lacks purpose? Who? That's a big one. That's a good question. I'm. Um, I mean, purpose. All the purpose topics usually for me revolve around like just doing things, like taking action. And the more action that you take, then all of a sudden you become clearer and clearer on the purpose. So if in this case, if if it, you've gotten to this point where it feels like you're lacking that purpose, I would just do a review of like what are what are what are the chapters of my life where I felt most alive, and take a look at like what. What what were the details in those chapters? And see, there's usually some threads or some some themes there, um, and then that at least leads you to asking the next set of questions. Well, if if, if that's what I'm seeing, like you know, like who was around? You know, like what was the topic? Can I do more of that? And 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 so forth. Ooh, I like that. All right, now let's get into the bad questions because I I think that's important too. It's not just about asking yourself questions, but it's about asking good questions. Because sometimes we can torture ourselves with unhelpful questions too. So what are some examples of bad questions that we don't want to start asking ourselves? Well, just all the surface level questions, right? Like the, just how are you? You know, we just, it's just part of our vocabulary. But I mean, do you really want to know how the person is? Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, and if that is the case, well, then sit down and, and, and maybe ask that question. How's your mind feeling right now? Um, you know, what's going on or whatever, but like from a place to your point of sincerity that you actually want to sit down and and listen to that answer and hold space for that that person. So I think really like any of the, the the key is to pick a, a situation, you know, like pick something like, let's say you're about to move. Would I like to move to Atlanta, for example? Um, sure, you can go down that 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 realm of questioning, but some better questions would be, What's important to me, you know, in terms of the location I live in? And then you get to, does Atlanta support what I want in my life and what I want to be doing day in, day out, right? So it's all of these just surface level questions that um, we just get stuck with and they don't lead to really any deep reflection. Because this is what I mean with, with, with questions and why the book's called Personal Socrates, because we're all asking questions. It's just, are we asking enough of them? And, and, and I've, are they of quality? And as we've been talking about, the quality is about the timing and the relevance. So the, the thing I would, would invite people to do, uh, listening around, trying to get past the, the, the surface level or bad questions, is to ask a question after. 
and continue down, you know, that Socratic method that that essentially has stood the test of time. And then you get to the questions that get to the core. So how would I go about that? Let's say I'm like, ah, should I take a new job? What would be another question, a follow-up question I should ask myself? And how would I discover what that question should be? Well, just give yourself, you know, give yourself some some time and space. Like, so I would, I would, I would take that question. I would use that tac- tactic of right. Should I take this uh, this next job or should I take a new job? Go to sleep and answer the question. Once you once you get to a point where you think you've answered, you know, fully, just take a few more breaths and keep going. See what else is left in the tank, right? And then I, I I'm willing to bet questions like, well, why do I want it? to take a new job will start to surface. And then you start writing out more there. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next question could be, well, what is it that I want in a new job? Right? And then coming back, like all of it though, the, the, the staple for me, all of it comes back to two questions that doesn't matter who we are, what we're doing, what's going on in our world. Uh, these are the, to me, the fundamental questions. Who am I right now? And who am I striving to become? Mm. And it, you know, that if you're clear on those questions, then the new job, well, does that job support the person I'm trying to be or not? Does that relationship support the person I'm trying to be or not? And then all of a sudden we're, we're clear on like this is the path or where we've pointed ourselves in terms of direction. And then it's just about ensuring that we have, you know, the systems and the habits and, and, the, and, the, and the situations that support that path. I like that. So does that support who I want to become? That's a great way to put it. And I think also the questions about like, am I... If I were thinking about a new job, am I running away from a job that I don't like or am I really running toward a job that I really want? And for people to then take a look at that, because I think sometimes we get ourselves in not so great situations. So we make a shift, but we don't really think about whether the shift is something that we really want or is it just to escape whatever we're going through right now? Well, and that's the thing. The the, the theme is, is again, slowing down and, and stilling the mind to think right about these these questions so we don't just jump into these decisions when you know there's other thing there, there are other factors behind uh kind of the knee jerk decision yeah and as a therapist sometimes we'll help people figure out what their assumptions are by just asking them as you say a couple follow up questions and sometimes it's well what would that mean so if somebody says yeah. you know i i have to go to this thing on saturday i don't want to go but my friend invited me so i have to well what would it mean if you didn't what would it mean i was a bad friend well, what would that mean? Well, that would mean that nobody actually likes me. And usually you ask yeah. like, what would that mean? Just a couple of times and you get to like another layer and another layer. And it usually boils down to people thinking, you know, I'm just not good enough or I'm not lovable yeah. or somehow I'm defective. And these fears that we have that you can uncover when you just ask yourself different questions or even sometimes just asking yourself the same question a couple of times. Yeah, well, it's it, it all comes back to the same theme of getting past the surface to the core. I mean, I just wrote a profile on Elon Musk for the newsletter community. And I was just, you know, he has a fascinating mind in terms of, of, of the work that he's doing and so forth. And on the surface, you know, if you don't know much about it, it you, the question kind of is like, how do we, how do we colonize Mars or how do we um, revolutionize, you know, space travel and so forth? And, and that, like, that's the big kind of surface level grandiose question. But the question that really got SpaceX off the ground. And the reason we keep hearing about this company in the news is, is like 10 questions later where, okay, well, if this, if this is what it takes to build a rocket, what are the individual components required to build the rocket? 
we don't stop there. What's, what are the raw materials uh, required to build those components? Can we source the raw materials instead of relying on other companies to do so? And it, he, I can't remember the number. I think by going through that line of questioning, I want to say they were able to build a rocket at like 20% of the quoted price that they were given from, from the, you know, just the, the standard uh, way of, of doing this. So it's just, it's, it, it's following those kind of first principle thinking concepts of getting right to the core of, of whatever you're trying to do and going down the, the line of questioning and more data starts to surface. And so, and we can do that with our, our lives as well. Oh, I love that because so often we just dive in head first, right? And we forget to back yeah. up and ask questions. And the so many things we just take for granted or for face value. And we don't ask enough about, well, really, like what what's underneath that or what else could I do differently? So I love that idea. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm a bit obsessed with questions, as you can tell. <laughs> so, well, then I guess last question for you would be for somebody who says, all right, I want to get better at asking myself questions, but I don't know where to start. Yeah. Where would you point them? Yeah. yeah, this is the most fun because we definitely can train our curiosity muscles. And it's just like physical fitness. Start small. If you want to run a marathon, I mean, you, you don't start by just jumping into the marathon if you've never ran before, right? You start with you know the training and work your way up. So for me, the training for, for mental fitness is just start by being curious and just start asking yourself some more of those check-in questions. Super simple. Just take a couple minutes in the morning. Find the, 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 what I find works the best is don't try to rock your current routine. Just take a look at what you're doing every day and see where those staple kind of habits are or the staple rituals and routines. Again, for me, like it's the coffee in the morning and I suspect many uh, are, are similar. So then you take that and then you can lean the book against the coffee machine and start by reading a couple pages of something that you know will put your mind in a, in a happy or motivated or thriving state, right? Um, and ask those checking questions on, on how you're feeling or set the intention. How do I want to show up today? One word. I've yet to meet anyone say, I want to show up depressed, anxious, uh, angry, pissed off, right? So, I mean, just starting there, then, then you start to see these things in the day. And, and the more you're training your, your mind more and more, like your self-awareness starts to, to boost. And you'll just find yourself naturally asking more questions and be more curious to the point where, like for me, it's if I'm listening to podcasts or reading a book or watching you know, something on, on, on Netflix, I just see the questions like I've trained my mind to flip the content or the knowledge that's being presented into a question to apply it to, to, to my life. Because that's how the whole thing started. It was getting up 10 minutes earlier, reading about interesting people and seeing which questions they were asking. And then quickly realizing, wow, they're all asking really powerful, reflective questions. I should probably do something similar. And just kept doing that. And it's been, I guess, 15 or 18 years <laughs> of doing that every morning, essentially. Well, the powerful thing about that is we can all do it. We can all start this today if we want. And you're not asking us to do anything huge. You're not saying you have to get up at 5 a.m., work out for five hours, and then meditate and no. plunge in a cold bath. You're just saying, hey, ask yourself some different questions and see what happens. So I hope everybody who's listening goes out and gets a copy of your book, Personal oh, Socrates, because in it you go through all the important questions that lots of people from all different walks of life ask. And I think that just gets us started with some really amazing questions in places that we can 
uh, start making changes and getting more curious. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I you know, selfishly, the book was written for someone like myself that needs you know five or ten minutes of of good content in the morning. That I know if I pick up the book, I'm going to feel good afterwards, and. That's why the book is set up in these short chapters that are four to five pages. And, you know, I just wanted to leave it, you know, make sure it was kind of bulletproof in the sense that you'll pick it up. There may be some big questions, but for the most part, you're, you're going to be left feeling motivated or at least want to come back and be like, you know what, never thought about that. That's something I want to sit, I want to sit down with, with like a cup of tea or something one afternoon and, and continue down the journey. Um, because, you know, the worst thing for me, the worst thing is, is, we stop asking questions and we flip onto this autopilot mode. And then the next thing you know, 10 years go by and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. And we don't have to, that doesn't have to happen. And one of the routes is to be curious and ask questions along the way to check in so we can course correct. Well, Mark Champagne, thank you so much for being here. We'll link to your book in our show notes and make sure that everybody who wants a copy of Personal Socrates can go out and find it. Thanks, Amy. This was fun. Yes, it was. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is a part of the show where I'll break down Mark's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of my favorite strategies that he shared. Number one, every day, ask yourself, how am I feeling? Mark suggests checking in with yourself and asking, how do I feel today? As a therapist, I highly recommend asking yourself this question. I've talked about this on the show before. Naming your feelings takes a lot of the sting out of them. There's research behind it. If you can say, I feel anxious right now, your anxiety decreases a little bit because you're helping your brain make sense of what's going on in your body. But in addition to reducing an uncomfortable emotion, naming your feeling can also help you know what to expect from your decision-making. If you're anxious, you'll be more likely to think about catastrophic outcomes and more likely to say no to an opportunity that comes your way. Your emotions from one area of your life spill over into other areas and affect it. But if you can recognize how you feel, then you can counteract some of that. So it's healthy to get into the habit of asking yourself that question at least once a day. And if you want to know how to get better at identifying your feelings, go back and listen to episode number five. I talk about some strategies that can help you figure out how you're feeling and how to cope with those uncomfortable feelings. Number two, when you feel bad, ask yourself, what's the fuel source for this? I love this question because it can help us better understand why we're feeling a certain way. Your anxiety might be completely out of your control, like you're worried about a loved one's health or you're worried about the stability of your job. Even though you can't change those things, just knowing why you're feeling that way can help. You can still take steps, though, to make sure that you aren't doing things that fuel the feelings that you don't want to have. For example, calling people and telling them about everything that you're worried about might actually fuel your anxious feelings. You might also find that there are other things you're doing that fuel how you feel. If you're tired, you might not be taking enough rest breaks, or maybe you're not sleeping enough. Or if you're irritable, Maybe you're overscheduling yourself, but you won't know until you take a closer look at what behaviors are fueling those uncomfortable feelings. And number three, when you're making a decision, ask yourself, does this support the person I want to be? 
This is a great question. When we're struggling to make a decision, we often get caught up into trying to not make our lives worse. We get fearful that we might mess things up or do some irreversible damage. Asking yourself this question might help you make the decision a lot easier. If you move to a new city and it doesn't work out, you might still be happy that you tried. If you're trying to become a more adventurous person. Or if you're trying to decide if you want to accept an opportunity or an invitation, ask yourself whether doing so would support the person you want to be. Your decision will become much simpler because you'll be thinking about the long-term results, not just how you feel right now. So those are three of Mark's strategies for asking yourself helpful questions that I highly recommend. Ask yourself, how am I feeling today? When you feel bad, ask yourself, what's the fuel source for this? And when you're making a decision, ask yourself, does this support the person I want to be? To learn more about how to ask better questions, check out Mark's book, Personal Socrates. Each chapter features an expert, author, athlete, or historical figure who poses a specific question that has helped them in life. If you know somebody who could benefit from hearing how to ask themselves better questions, share this show with them. Simply sharing a link to this episode could help someone feel better and grow stronger. Do you want free access to my online course? It's called 10 Mental Strength Exercises That Will Help You Reach Your Greatest Potential. To get your free pass, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then send us a screenshot of your review. Our email address is podcast at amymorinlcsw.com. We'll reply with your all-access pass to the course. Thank you for hanging out with me today and for listening to Mentally Stronger. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer, who doesn't like to answer questions from other people, Nick Valentine. <laughs>